Hello and welcome to the Oplane podcast, here with the people that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. And as usual, before I introduce today's guest, the usual reminder that you can find all the previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, on the Oplane website. That's allplane.tv. A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. On today's episode, we talk about airline liveries, or to be more exact, about airline branding and more specifically about how to design a new airline brand. Our guest today is Edmund Hewitt, Chief Creative Officer at Forward Media, a marketing and communications agency based in New York City. Edmond has designed airline brands and liveries such as that of Northern Pacific Airways, a brand new US airline that we've talked about a few times here on the podcast. So in today's episode, we talk about the different steps that the delivery and brand design process goes through and how the different colors and elements are carefully chosen to reflect the brand identity and relate to the different constituencies that the airline serves. We talk more generally about livery design trends and about what makes a great livery. And I couldn't refrain myself from asking Edmond a very important question. What is the best livery of all times. So tune in for today's episode, which is at the intersection of art, creativity, and aviation. Hello, Edmond. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well. Good to see you again. We had a chance to speak not so long ago in, when I was doing some research about airline livery design, which is a topic that fascinates me. Lots of very cool, interesting liveries out there lately. So basically, I thought it was a, a good idea to have you on the show and to, to talk about airline branding and airline livery design. Like all guests, I'm going to ask you, first of all, to introduce yourself and, and to explain who you are and, and what's your background and your connection to the aviation industry. Uh, my name is Edmund Hewat. I am the chief creative officer of a branding design um, shop called Forward Studio, part of a digital marketing uh, company called Forward Media. I work with a range of clients, and in particular, I help specifically airlines that are either in a startup phase or who are looking to go through some type of change uh, to help sort of steward where that brand is going to go, either from ground up from its inception or perhaps changing from one look and positioning to another. And um, yeah, we've been doing this for probably about five or six years and um, I really enjoy it. It sort of touches on some of my own personal interests in aviation. So, mm -hmm. Your practice is working with a number of clients in different industries, but airlines is one of the focus areas, I would say. Am I right to call it this way? I think yeah, that's fair. I mean, we are, I would say, probably corporate branding, sort of in a broader sense. And within that spectrum, uh, airline specialty is one area. So yes, you are correct. There's, we do more than just airline branding. I've been able to follow closely the launch of a, of a new airline, uh, Northern Pacific Airways, that was presented in January. I was fortunate to be able to attend the presentation, the unveiling of that livery that you, you've been instrumental in designing. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the sort of processes that are involved in, in a project like this one. You start by designing the livery, you start looking at other aspects of brand identity. Very curious to, to learn how you work. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think both projects are probably a little different uh, in terms of airline uh, branding and design. I think typically an airline exists already 
and there is a specific requirement in terms of a change. But this project was uh, exceptional in that um, the CEO of the airline came to us with a much um, sort of broader um, opportunity, which was we have a, a plan to, as you mentioned, Miguel, serve the Asian market in a low cost capacity through Alaska. So he sort of gave us the blueprint, but he said, we don't have a name. We don't have a brand. Uh, we don't have any of the marketing. Would you be interested? Uh, of course, to a guy like me, that is like golden opportunity. So of course I was like, sure, uh, I'd love to. Secondly, as these projects typically uh, work out, they need something right away at the very beginning because often they're working with investors. So to get sort of the, you know, the airline off the ground, so to speak, they need some type of vision of where the airline is going and what it's going to look like. So a lot of the work was really compressed into a short period of time. And that was to sort of articulate and bring to life this entire brand. So a lot of the, um, the sort of upfront work had to be, again, squeezed into a very sort of tight timeline, uh, mm -hmm. including understanding who their customer was, cultural sensitivity to motifs and symbols, things that once we put it out there, you can't really go back. So there was a lot of pressure to get it right the first time. And then from there, it moved into much more of a of a scheduled approach where we were doing promotion, marketing, uh, various production. But the first phase was really crucial and it was a lot of sort of core components uh, involved. You don't have all the baggage that comes with uh, more established airlines. I'm thinking carriers like United American that have like all this history behind, in Europe even more maybe because there are also the, all these national pride issues behind it. Tell me a bit more about all the different elements, how you put them together. I mean, you start with by doing focus groups. You have some people brainstorming this. What, what are the steps? Yeah, um, I think the first step is um, a bit more on the research side. So here what we're doing is really understanding the benchmarks. Um, so who's the competitor? Who are the key players in the various spaces, whether it's a legacy mainline carrier, whether it's an, uh, you know, a low cost or ultra low cost carrier. So let's understand the, the component parts in terms of the competitive landscape. Then let's also understand the customer. And by customer, I don't just mean people traveling on the plane. I mean, people who are stakeholders in influencing decision-making. So regulatory, airline industry, travel, the media was a big, big one, was sort of understanding what the media is looking for when they are reporting on a new airline, because publicity was so important out of the gate. And managing the perception from the perspective of media was so key. So that was important. And then as we moved into the graphics and the design, what did we want the airline to look like as it was relating to a low-cost carrier? What niche do we want to carve out? I mean, do we want to be sexy? Do we want to be sort of classic? So understanding that sort of visual language and then understanding, as I mentioned before, uh, symbology, motifs, um, iconography, what was palatable, not just to North Americans, but more importantly to people who live in Asia. So naming and word uh, smithing was really important. And so that was another big part of the mix. But that was sort of the, the very first stage was just getting sort of everything in order mm -hmm. uh, so that we could then um, assign some uh, graphic design to that brief so that we would then have something to show the client. 
one of the things that got me really intrigued is on one hand, you have this low cost positioning, but at the same time, when I looked at the design, and I'm going to post some pictures and some video mm -hmm. of, of that event in, in California where we had the chance to, to admire the, the new livery from up close. It's a very elegant design in terms of color palette. You use a lot of black, for example, which is traditionally, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you're, you're the expert in design here, but I think black is normally more associated with uh, luxury premium brands, right? How you use these colors to, to communicate a certain, a certain aspect of the brand. You did some research as well about colors, like in some cultures, some colors have a meaning and, and some others, I, I, I have no idea whether in Asia, the colors you chose have a specific meaning or not. Yeah, I think there's a fair amount of research that goes into um, ensuring that you're not gonna go down the wrong path. I, it's more of a preemptive measure. Certainly there's a knowledge building component, but I think when you are dealing with a creative component, you really have to just put some guardrails on your path forward. So I think that was a good starting point for us to understand kind of what, what could work and what was probably not a good idea. I think to the issue of looking premium and yet being a low cost carrier, that was a very, uh, that was a decision that we made up front to purposely uh, put our best foot forward, so to speak. So I wanted the airline on the exterior, the aircraft, to have a, 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 an appeal, to have a premium look to it. I didn't want the airline to feel, and a lot of sort of low-cost carriers go down this path, which is value, fun, quirky. Very yeah. bright. And, 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 yeah. yeah, and I just, you know, when you're flying overseas, when you um, are entrusting people's safety, when you are selling a ticket that isn't $69 one way, I think there is an importance to um, an esteem factor that needed to be communicated. So I think that was um, part of the driving strategy around a look that was a little less fun and quirky and, a, and perhaps a bit more stylish, you know, dare I say, even touches on the romance of, of air travel. But that was definitely something that I believed in. And, and certainly the client felt the same way, obviously, which I'm happy about. But um, mm -hmm. we made that decision early on. And then to your point about colors and indigenous sort of attributes, certainly the white and black were colors that not only were synonymous with the, you know, snow-covered peaks of Alaska and, you know, the use of black as a, a nod to, the, you know, rock and terrain and sort of the rugged sort of frontier side. But also in Asia, those colors are also quite accepted. Um, look at Japan Airlines. Their aircraft is white with black lettering and it's fairly stark. So yeah. that utility, that sense of simplicity that I think definitely sat comfortably in the sort of design aesthetic mindset of an Asian customer as well as someone from Alaska. I just remember now that there, there was actually a, a Japanese airline that the livery was all black. Mm. I don't remember the name. I think it must have been. Sky I remember it too. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting choice of color. The, the divide between the, the low cost and the full service is not so clear. You have lots of hybrid, mm. hybrid models in between. So I think, yeah, no longer the old established state brand with the, the flag and the, and the tail. And, and then you have all these bright, very uh, colorful liveries on the, other, on the other side of the spectrum. So yeah, it's uh, interesting. I think I found it personally, I found it quite, quite elegant. Uh, what happens next? I mean, how long is the process to define on a, 
on a on a brand identity and how does it fit into the overall process of launching an airline? What else needs to be done on a, at a practical level? Getting the actual designs, getting the blueprints, and and getting and getting the aircraft painted. Yeah, there's so I think <clears throat> as I mentioned, the initial sort of push to have something to present to the client was intense. I'm not sure. I think I mentioned this before. We worked with a a renderer out of um, Argentina, and he's a trusted individual that I've worked with in the past. <clears throat> so I said to Felipe, I really need this plane to come to life. I need, I need the renderings to be so realistic and perfect <clears throat> because we really have one kick at the can with that client, in my opinion, because they have to really have a wow factor. And so luckily that happened. And from there, there were no real changes to the design, which frankly was a little surprising. I mean, I'm very happy, but how many options do you present to a client normally? <clears throat> uh, you present them a limited number of options or different variations of the same theme or completely different versions that kind of contradict each other? Well, behind the scenes, there are hundreds and hundreds, like probably 200 to 300 various stylistic approaches, versions, iterative, you know, so many. And my apartment literally gets filled, the walls get filled with eight and a half elevens taped and it's, it's mad, but. Is this done in, on paper or you present um, it on paper well, or is it very short? I usually, what I do is I, I download a line art of the 757. I print them out as blanks. I spent the first bit just sketching because I like to draw and I'm comfortable with a pencil or a pen. So I'm, I'm usually sketching out very basic concepts. And usually those concepts are, are based on the form of the aircraft. So understanding the dimensionality and, and what works best in terms of lines and color. And I might have a very loose vision, but it's certainly not very clear in terms of like colors. And out of that, it, that's usually, and again, it's intense. So it's like my weekend, my couple of weekends is intensely going through stuff. And then out of that, I edit down to, let's say, 20 or 30 that are like, okay, these I've obsessed over for the last, you know, 72 hours. I'm like constantly. And then out of then, um, I might bring another person or two in. It's a very small group. <clears throat> I don't like a lot of voices at the table, so to speak. So I have a designer, my business partner, of course. You know, we might look at things. Um, I'll reconcile against the strategy in the brief, you know, constantly. And then from there, maybe you've got four or five that are like, now they're, now they're digital. Like I've brought them back in and my designer is working with me now to sort of make them as a flat. So it's colors, type, font, beginnings of a graphic element. <clears throat> Meanwhile, I'm working hard on symbols and various types of markings that would go on the tail maybe. Anyway, so there's sort of, now there's two things happening. With five directions, I've got a whole slew of like motifs that could be the logo slash tail art. And in this case, Miguel, it's weird because we're not starting with any logo. We're not starting with a, with a we're starting with an idea for an airline. The livery is the driver. So weirdly, you're somewhat designing to the livery, which is not like any other project I've worked on. Mostly you start with, an identity that works to a brand or, you know, they kind of, so the airline livery was very much driving a lot of the brand itself. And then by the time it gets to the client, I have one idea. 
And I'm very, very passionate about that one idea. And I sell strong and I leave no stone uncovered. I, I cover all the grounds. I show the benchmarking. I talk about cultural motifs. I talk about the customer and I lead up to here it is. <clears throat> now, I do have in my back pocket other ideas for sure. I have to have something ready, but I lead with one idea. And I feel like the client is paying me to give, give them my recommendation. But I do know that if someone's not necessarily on board, it's my job to have something else to show. So luckily that didn't happen. They really liked what I believe they should have. And then it just sat there. Like they didn't really come back to me the next day, the next week. So that ha often happens. They like it in the presentation and then they take it away and they think about it or they show it to their friends, which is always a very frustrating period. Mm -hmm. And I usually say to them, please don't do, please don't show this to a lot of people because we need to get your opinion. So let's say two weeks went by, nothing. Um, so the, the delivery pretty much stayed the way it was. And from there, we began working on other aspects of, of building up the brand. So the, the, the painting of the aircraft didn't happen for quite a while. But what did happen very quickly was a microsite that was targeting media and various stakeholders, uh, graphics, video, um, a standards guide. So a lot of the sort of the component parts to helping market the, the new airline became the, the next priority. And then, you know, I would say we started talking about the painting of the aircraft in November. The delivery was presented in January. So we're talking about a couple of months from the actual confirmation of the, of the design until it became a, a reality. Am I right? Um, how many months was it now? Like my, I think it was longer than that because we've been working on this project for a year and a half. Okay. And I think, I think we probably, we, um, I would maybe, say... Maybe you mean the previous November, so... Yes, like one year. previous November. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because we, we, yeah, and then we were marketing. We, we, were, we were gathering, we, basically it was a lot of data captures, like getting people to put their emails into a microsite so that we could target um, as many, um, you know, media-worthy individuals as possible so that we could then launch the aircraft. So yeah, it was probably a year of just marketing. Um, and then we had to paint the plane. Yeah, and actually I wanted to ask you about the practicalities of this because you mentioned you were working with this guy in Argentina that did the renderings, but what about the actual blueprints? Uh, what type of format are you working on um, when you have to translate something that is right. in a, I don't know what sort of software or whatever it's, it's designed in? Uh, you have to translate that to a 3D uh, object and a, a very large 3D object. What's the way to go? Interestingly, if I recall, I, pr I produced a very simple standards guide for the client. It's like, here's your logo, here's your colors. And the colors were like, if you're printing, it's CMYK, here's your RGB color, here's your hex for uh, digital. That was it. Somehow that standards guide got sent to a vendor in California who was going to then produce the blueprints for delivery. And luckily I found out and, and was able to sort of intervene because when I spoke to them, they were already confused because they weren't sure what to do with the standards guide because it was never designed for them. But the client, the team on the client side didn't know. So they were like, well, give them the standards guide. So I was like, guys, hold on. Let me give you better material to work with. And they're like, thank you. So then I gave them the dimensional renderings, which were much more clear. 
And then what we started to do was talk about colors. And that was very tricky because what I realized is that to achieve the types of colors I wanted would require a little bit more effort and resource. Um, They couldn't just use their, you know, there's different stratas of color. Yeah. There's industry standard sort of really basic colors and that spectrum or palette is what quite limited really. And then there are specialty uh, companies that work like Axo Nobel, which is um, a global world renowned colors company where they work in a, a range of, of, of spaces. They have the ability to produce custom color mixes. And so very quickly we moved into that zone where ironically it wasn't the white or the black that was the issue. It was the grays. Because if you recall on the front of the aircraft, those two letter ends that are sort of off register, mm-hmm. Those, those grays had to be very, very specific in their tonality. They had to be just light enough. Um, and so I was very, very adamant that we don't just pick any old gray because otherwise it would have looked very heavy handed and, and it needed to feel ethereal and very mm-hmm. light. So yeah. that, yeah, led to a very intense period of me going to South Carolina to work with a company that then produced um, custom colors for the grays mm-hmm. the black and the red were uh, more standard and also keep in mind the airline is there's an economics to this as well so they weren't necessarily like a big american airlines where they could commission you know the best of the best they had to really be careful and resourceful about what they were doing so i think the compromise was on the two grays let's mix something custom and then on the black and the white uh, I'm sure we can, we, you know, within that range, we can find something. So, so that was that a very intense period. The actual drawings that you get from the company that produces the template that then goes to the facility that paints the plane, they're actually quite rudimentary. I mean, when you look at them, the printed document that you get emailed to you is is very basic. It's just a flat of the plane with a lot of lines and details about numbers and spacing and size. It's actually hard to read, but obviously I spent a lot of time going through every inch of that aircraft with their team and uh, made corrections. And because once it's set and it's signed off, then that's it. Like you, 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 once you commit to the painting of the aircraft, you know, you're, there's no going back. So we spent quite a bit of time going back and forth on the blueprint renders that then would be given to the facility that painted. And then the painting of the aircraft was another very different beast. And keep in mind, I'm dealing with people that are, they're not artists, they're not designers, they're not creative. They're kind of nine to five and they're kind of like, I don't know how to describe them. I mean, a lot of amazing people, but you really have to learn how to communicate with these individuals in a way that you're not going to put them off. Um, you're going to get the most out of them. So you have to just, yeah, it's a real, it's a, there's an art to managing that process, which um, I'm very um, respectful to because they can make or break it. If, yeah. if, if, no, they really can. I mean, I think they're all doing their best, but if they're not clear, if um, a focus isn't, isn't made clear in terms of you guys have to do this a certain way, like for example, the gradient on the winglets, the, the, the northern light color motif. You can do that in two ways. You can spray it or you can create a, we, they call a mechanical dot pattern, which okay. basically is, you know, put onto yeah. the plane, 
I, I remember from, I did an article for CNN about uh, aircraft painting. I remember they were like, oh, yeah, to, as you mentioned, spraying the paint. And then there's these sort of stickers. Maybe I'm, it's not the right word, but basically put these giant stickers in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a dot pattern. Yeah, yeah it's a dot yeah. pattern. And at, up close, you see the dot, but from a distance, it looks incredibly smooth and seamless. Mm -hmm. And so some of those decisions required some, some discussion. And there are also some limitations on the aircraft type. So air, uh, a Boeing 757-200 series is not the same as an A350. And so if you recall, one of the design directions I went down was to do a mask for the airplane, Yeah, which I was really in love with and, and I wanted to have. Of course, when we spoke to the uh, facility to do the painting, they're like, you know what? Well, one of them said you can't do it. And then another one that I got to know said you can do it. But there are issues in terms of the, the heat and the temperature variances around the cockpit windows. Okay. And you tend to get uh, peeling faster, sooner, if you paint. So you can paint. But the reason they don't advise is because um, the deterioration of the paint grade based on the temperature variance mm -hmm. um, would be a problem. So we had to uh, figure out a way to achieve that look um, although the aircraft wasn't really designed for it. Um, so that was, you know, one of the roadblocks, one of the challenges. And yeah, I think overall, I'm very happy with what they've achieved. Um, and you're always learning something. It's, it's, there's so much to know and to learn about it. on the production side, really. It's, yeah. it's quite, um, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Is this the, the first livery that um, you worked on or you had been working on other liveries before that? Yeah, I, I worked on a livery for a Hawaiian um, inter-island commuter. Okay. Uh, the name of the airline was Island Air, and we were working with a facility in Quebec, up in Canada. Um, and so I already had a taste of what it was like working with, you know, sort of a, a, a remote party in its own sort of area. It's you know, you really have to get ready. Like I've done a lot of press checks for printed materials and even dealing with pressmen in a printing facility. There's a certain attitude, which is, oh, here comes the designer. <laughs> They're not really, they don't really want the designers coming in because, you know, I can understand designers maybe change their minds and then suddenly that whole press schedule is thrown out the window and it affects their economics. So um, knowing that that's their... They, there may be a bias. My job is to, you know, make sure they feel like everything is clear and organized and to be respectful of their time. So that was sort of a, a way that I dealt with um, the facilities on the production side. But again, like I said, there are things that come up that you did not foresee and you have to uh, make the decisions quickly. You have to be confident about what you're going to do. And it helps to have the client trusting of you. So in my case, um, the CEO was very um, supportive and it gave me a lot of autonomy. So that allowed us to move quickly. Whereas again, in another situation, you might have to go through tons of approvals for everything mm -hmm. and that could delay things. Mm -hmm. And in, in, the, in the case of Northern Pacific, you chose this uh, design that is reminiscent of, of the, the Arctic landscape. I, I was just wondering for the Hawaiian airline, did you go like the, for a tropical, style livery 
Yeah, I think there was a, I mean, the brief for the island air was a little different. It was a combination of like, we want the aircraft to present in a way that is dynamic, eye-catching. There's an excitement. But keep in mind, it's a, it's an, it's a local customer. Yeah. So the colors were bright. The graphics were, were very much synonymous with uh, motifs that were very uh, indigenous to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the design, very, very different design. Uh, yeah. Way more color, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's very typical. I mean, I'm thinking now uh, airlines like Air Tahiti, for example, or, mm-hmm. or Fiji Airways. I, I had a chance to attend one of the delivery of, of one of their, their aircraft and uh, Hawaiian airlines as well. They're very typical for, for airlines from leisure, tropical destinations to have these very colorful, flowery exuberant yeah. liveries so that's why i was i was curious about yeah. the approach here yeah for sure uh and, but that process was similar in that we didn't have a lot of time a lot had to be done up front uh but the same thing we did a very deep dive on uh the market the history the culture um so that we hopefully got it right uh, you know for the aircraft which then became a big moniker for for everyone to see so it was really important but yeah, very different um, outcomes. I will say that Alaska and Hawaii, interestingly, have a very similar um, circumstantial. They're both remote. The sensibility of people that live in those remote geographies are distinct. And so I think it helps to have an appreciation for that. I mean, I come from Winnipeg up in Canada, which is somewhat remote. Um, so, and working on the Hawaii project, I definitely um, was attuned to their sensitivity around, you know, don't disrespect us, understand who we are, know that we have a vast number of communities that are indigenous in Alaska that are very, very, um, have a lot of pride. Um, And they take things very seriously in a whole different way than you would expect from a a metropolitan customer in a more urban center in the state. So so I think that was a big um, advantage for us was just having that um, understanding up front was, yeah. uh, I think, helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. And well, the the, the thing I think and and that might be helpful, I don't know, maybe uh, it's that also like people tend to have a a very well defined image of of those remote, well, remote quote unquote, because nowadays it's not not so remote. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, they right. have an image. I mean, you have a lot. You think Alaska? You obviously have something in your mind when you think Alaska. You you think Hawaii you know kind of what to expect, sort of. Might be wrong yeah. or might be more accurate or not. But Well, I tried, I tried to keep the visuals also quite abstract. Like yeah. uh, if you notice on the tail, there's a line motif. Yeah. And that's about as far as I wanted to go with trying to visually per, um, represent anything. I certainly didn't want to do anything that was overt. I wanted to leave it more open-ended and sort of play up a virtue, not a, not a specific subject matter. Yeah. So those lines can relate to flight, wind, um, aspiration. I mean, again, trying to make sure that whoever was going to see it would be able to make it their own and yeah. not have anybody say that's um, offensive or that is short-sighted or, you know, cliche or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, I, I just wanted to um, 
to wrap up this this conversation, asking you about uh, something that might be controversial in the sort of aviation community. But what what do you think about the uh, the so-called Euro white livery? I mean, right now we have many. Every time a new an, an airline does a redesign, mm-hmm. there's a lot of controversy. Many people complaining that at the end of the day, like many airlines, end up having the same sort of color scheme. They, they change the color. Obviously, one airline has one color, one has, another one has another color, but, but they all more or less follow the same pattern. What's your take on that? Um, I definitely, listen, I'm in the business of helping businesses do better. Um, and so what I mean by that is I appreciate the commercial um, influence that um, has impacted the design of liveries, meaning um, a Euro-white livery scheme is cost-effective, and I think it, it works nicely in terms of an efficient approach to a design. So I get all that. The problem I have is, as a, as a designer, as an artist, I believe that there is a romance to you know the art of travel, and I believe that the traveling public has that same romance inside of them. And I, it sort of makes me long for the days of when airlines would commission real artists. Um, and no disrespect to any professional who's working in this capacity, but there are so many voices at the table and ultimately it becomes a matter of commerce over art. But back in the day, you would have Saul Bass, famous uh, graphic designer who was responsible for so many of the iconic liveries that we've seen, Continental, United. Um, You would have Braniff Airlines who would commission um, Alexander Calder, who did the, you know, very wild and trippy uh, multicolored commissions for their aircraft. And all this says to me that there, I think, is an appetite for it. And I think it, it lends itself to a business that, that should be going further with creative and, and art. Um, and I think the public probably wants more of that. But unfortunately, the economics get in the way. And so you end up with um, solutions that are, are, very, are based on a different set of criteria. And again, don't get me wrong. I've worked on projects. And there's one where I'm working on right now where it is sort of a white aircraft. I mean, I'm not saying Another that I'm do it. but. Yeah, another airline. I, okay. Yeah, a new one, but I'm I can't really talk about it too much. It's kind of under wraps, but it's um now I I have given my hopefully my special touch to it and tra- and it uh, it was a name that I came up with as well as a livery. So it's another one of those like, hey, we want to start something. Um, mm-hmm. Give me the full deal. So I and I am excited about it, but. You know, I do wish there was a little bit more point of view and a little bit more design prowess to what an aircraft can look like. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm always, and I think anyone, for sure yourself, when you see something that's different or where they've reinterpreted something in a modern way and it shows clever, it, it plays on our sense of romance, Everyone sits up and takes notice. And yeah, design can be a bit of a dartboard. Everyone has an opinion. But that's why I love the business of, of airline liveries is because it is very topical. Uh, it's rooted in a lot of history. Um, um, and, um, and its impact is felt far and wide in terms of just the reach that an airline has um, and the sheer size of the aircraft as sort of, you know, there's, there's nothing like it. So... I'm always looking for 
doing things that are a little different, left to center, and um, and they have more of an art to them. Uh, but I do see both sides for sure, respectfully. <laughs> yeah. I, well, actually, I don't want to finish this conversation without asking you, besides the ones you have designed, which is your favorite livery out there, if you have one? Uh, from today or in the past? Uh, we can do both, like of all times okay. and, and of those that are today flying. Yeah. I think um, in the past, my, one of my big favorites is, is uh, Braniff and also Northwest Orient um, okay. I, you, and yeah. CPR. Okay, I wanted to check it out because I... <laughs> I, I CPR, CPR uh -huh. is the orange and red. First of all, orange and red is a color combo that um, is, is not your average color combo, first of all, which I love. See, and they had, that, they had a stripe that basically swoops up from, from the back at the base all the way to the front at the top. So um, I love CPR. Northwest Orient, um, not the Northwest Orient that was the watered down version done in the 90s but the, the livery prior in the late 60s where it had um, the, the striping done in blocks and it used like a deep blue, red, white, and the silver steel of the aircraft with a simple red tail. Just, that's it. And the little American flag, gorgeous. So, you know, those are deliveries that I've, I've always loved. And then today, um, I have two that I really like, and one is going to reference our discussion of the um, of the Euro Euro White Finnair. Yeah, basically took a white plane, but then very as a designer, I respect what they're doing. They've taken the, the typeface, very distinct typeface, and it's it's just they've really embraced the size of the aircraft with that lettering. It's it massive. I think SAS has done some great liveries. Their prior livery and their most current livery are both gorgeous. You would go Nordic. I love design, Nordic. Eh? Oh my God. <laughs> I do as well, I do. I do as yeah. well. Yeah, well, I've got some homework now because I will need to check all these historical liveries that you mentioned, <laughs> check them out to include them in, yeah. the, in the notes. But um, yeah, I think we can leave it here. It's been a great conversation about all these uh, very fascinating aspects of, of the airline industry, which is, basically the branding and design and liveries. So I, yeah, definitely can't wait to see your latest pieces of work, the Northern Pacific, and hopefully one day soon, this new one that you're working on. Well, I thank yeah. you so much. And it's always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, hopefully we can have another conversation with the new work that I'm doing. And I can't wait to show it to you. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to it. Okay, thank you so much, Edmund. You're very welcome. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much, and see you soon.